Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Com Report. Wherever you get your podcast, you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. You can find us there as part of Empire Media. That's A-M-P-I-R-E. Always much appreciated when you tune in. Don't forget, you can always read my work on ESPN.com. And programming note, Tuesday night, 7.30 live stream, Eastern time, of course, with the voice of the commanders, Bram Weinstein and I, going over the game, the win over the Atlanta Falcons, looking a little bit ahead to the Giants and answering a lot of your questions or addressing some of your remaining concerns or even just whatever optimism you may feel after the commanders beat the Atlanta Falcons to even their record at three and three. Was it a beautiful win? No, but it, these rarely are in the NFL. And, you know, you look around the league, you look at the Eagles losing the Jets, you look at um, the 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 Bills struggling to beat the Giants. Weird stuff happens. So you get out of there with the W, you feel good. The thing you have to do, though, is string together good, consistent games. And that's something the commanders still have to do. And that's why I know some of you are going to remain skeptical until you see that. And so will I, because I still think they can be in that, you know, certainly an eight, nine win team, eight or nine win team. But if you want to do better than that, which I think they need to do better than that, then you need to start stringing together good, consistently well-played games. Win or lose, you, you the more consistent you are, the better off you're going to be. So that's what we need to see moving forward. But having said that, a good win nonetheless. You go on the road, you win a game in the NFL, that is a good win. Especially because like some of you are saying, well, the Falcons, the Falcons are a pretty good team. The Falcons have a really good defense. They have a really good running back. They have some really good pieces in the pass game just kind of lack a quarterback. But the point is, and listen, what do you think the Falcons fans are saying today? So let's, you know, some perspective here that this was a good win for them. However, we all know that there's still a lot that they have to get done right to not just go for making this, hey, it's a nice win to get up to three and three, but then to get to a point where you need to say, okay, could this be a 10-win team? And we're not there yet because they've got to show some more things before you can get to that point. Anyways. So um, again, Tuesday night live stream. Also, I thought that in, I'm going to go over today doing my film review. I'm going to go over just I focus on the defense today, and you know just why were they so effective in their single package? And and they, they use the four three. Some good examples there. Some really good examples of what they did well to stop Bajan Robinson because they did man they they held him in check big time. And the Falcons run game, which was one of the best in the NFL. So that that again, that's that was the whole to me, that was the whole key to the game was was doing that. So the other thing I'm going to talk a little bit about is, you know, I, again, I thought the D line was as against the run at that front, not just the D line. I would say the front seven because a lot of times it was a single package and then linebackers, Cody Barton and Jamin Davis. That was their best overall game against the run. The single package had a lot to do with that. I'm going to give you some examples of what I mean about that. And 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 just why they were so effective. And it wasn't just a couple of guys. I mean, this was across the board. The best, most consistent effort from that front group this season against the run. I think just in general, I think they played a really good game. And then you don't just measure it by sacks and all that. I know you want more consistent pressure and not just you. I mean, they they need to get more consistent pressure. I get that. 
but I thought they did a really good job in the area that they needed to. The number one thing you had to do in this game is make, you know, first of all, the D-line had to show up. They did. The second, make Desmond Reader beat, they make Desmond Ritter beat you. And that's what they did. And he could not beat them. So people, you can sit there and say, well, he's not a good quarterback. Yeah, that's why you make him beat you because he's not a good quarterback. And I get it that if they're facing a better quarterback, maybe they would have, maybe something goes differently. Well, guess what? What do you think that you could say as a, as a Washington fan the last couple of years, if you had a better quarterback? Well, you didn't. And guess what? The Falcons don't. So this is a strategy you take. I know that the big plays have been a problem and they, they remain a concern until you get through a stretch where you're not giving up a lot of them, then it's going to be a, going to be a concern. But anyway, I'm not going to take away from what this front did this game and just that they play, they did a good job. Chase Young is having has been very effective the last couple of weeks, especially in the in pass rush. Here's a stat I bet you didn't, but you didn't realize. Maybe you did, but over the last two weeks, according to our True Media, the ESPN stats and info, he has 16 pass rush wins. That's the most in the NFL over the last two over the last two games. So against Chicago and then against Atlanta, very active. And you know it's funny because he had one pressure where. This is this happened a few times where you say, why not sex? Well, one time he had a pressure, good quick pressure, one really fast around the edge, 2.30 seconds for Desmond Ritter to get rid of the ball. And it, I, I don't remember what happened, but it was a good pressure. Another time, and I don't just thought of this, James Smith Williams had one where they had a nice stunt to the middle. He's got a clean look at, at Ritter. 1.6 seconds, the ball is out. So that's why when you look and say, why didn't they get more sacks? Well, that's part of the reason. So here's a couple of things for you with Desmond Ritter from Sunday to kind of illustrate some of that. Uh, two point, and some of this could be just, listen, the coverage was, was, not, was not always great. So it allows you to get rid of the ball faster, right? We know that too. So the coverage holds up, then you get that extra, if it's not 2.3, if it's 2.80, then Chase Young is, is sacking you, right? If it's one, if it's 2.0, James Smith Williams is probably sacking you. So that's the difference when the coverage matches up to what they're doing or gives them a little bit more time. But those were really quick throws. Ritter threw the ball. His average time before throwing on Sunday was 2.54 seconds. Only eight quarterbacks threw quicker in this, this past week. Um he was off target on 27.3% of his throws. Not good. He had the second most play action pass attempts in the, the league on Sunday. So just that illustrated how they wanted to attack, especially when you're using that Cinco package you're, and you're, you're focusing on stopping the run. Well, the number one thing you want to do is play action. So that was very smart. Third most attempts with six blockers or more in, in the game and on Sunday compared to every other quarterback. Second most passed attempts with seven blockers or more. And that was eight, but it's second, it was second most league. Just showed you again what they were how they were trying to combat that that defensive front. And and a lot of times it worked because they did keep them largely clean. But I think there were times where that pressure definitely hurried him into some throws that he did not want to make or threw them a little bit quicker. That resulted in there was pressure on the first Kendall, the Kendall intercept, Kendall Fuller interception. I think it was Chase. There were five guys converging. Maybe it was Barton. I can't. One of those guys was kind of in his getting in his face, and and it, it leads to a quicker throw. Ritter needed a little bit more to just to feel comfortable in the pocket. And when you make somebody feel a little bit uncomfortable, that's what happens. So the ball's inside. Fuller drives on it. Really nice play. 
on the Benjamin St. Just interception. That's the same thing. He's under duress. He's thrown off his back foot. And that's what happens. You end up throwing a pick because you're getting pressure. It may not result in, in fact, one of my one of my bold prediction was that Chase Young would have, I think, one or two sacks, but one or one pressure that would lead to a game-changing type play. He didn't necessarily have that, but the D-line, their pressure did lead to some of that, even if it was just getting him to throw off his back foot and, yes, taking advantage of a quarterback who is not very good. And, and maybe, maybe down the road he will be. Maybe he'll just be a really good backup. But that's what you do against those kind of quarterbacks. Would you rather lose to them? No, of course not. So the way you do that is you put them in, you you make them beat you. And he, at times he was looking pretty good against them. But at times they made they caused him to make some mistakes. And that's what you need to do. They need to be more consistent on the rush. And I've already said that. And sometimes here's the thing that that kind of gets me sometimes because again, the Cinco package, and I'm going to explain this in a few minutes about why this was effective, but the D line has been criticizing. You were just certainly, you know, I've talked, we've all talked about it. Right. And, you know, you hear internally, well, they got to do their job. They got to do their jobs. Well, here's the other thing. We've been kind of hearing that for four years. So at some point, if they're not doing their jobs, why not? Is it them or is it, is it how they're, is it, what else? Is it the way the coaching is, is it the way the scheme is, you know, what is it that's not working? Because four years in, it shouldn't be that hard to get them to do that, right? To to do their job. Because, so there's some sort of disconnect there that if it's not working for them consistently, why not? So now I will say when they do it, they can be really good with it too. So I understand why they want them to do it, especially with this group, because you have guys that can penetrate really well. <clears throat> but when you don't, and or when a situation gets tense, a lot of times you get you kind of revert back to what you feel you do well, what you're comfortable with. I think that also happens here, that with with this with this defensive line because they all have had great deal of, a great deal of success doing things a different way at times, and so you sometimes go back to that when there's pressure, et cetera. But Sunday, excuse me, Sunday was a really good day for them, and they deserve a lot of credit, especially for how they stopped the run. And I thought, you know, like I said, at, at times I felt like they were very effective rushing the passer. You know, they held they held Bajan Robinson. It was 13 carries, 37 yards. Atlanta had two carries. Here's a stat: two carries of 10 plus um 10 plus yards, right? So one was by Desmond Ritter. They entered the game averaging four such runs. So they're, again, they're very their longest run by running back was 11 yards. And that came, that was later in the game, too after the defense had been on the field forever. And that's one thing that you got to point out here. Yes, they needed to get off the field better, but it was, I think the Falcons were around 40% on third down, something like that. I don't have the stats in front of me, but here's what I know is Washington's offense did squadoosh in the second half outside of getting set up for a touchdown by the interception. Five plays, 15 yards, four plays, 21 yards, three plays, minus six yards. You want to know why the defense is on the field so long? Because the offense didn't do a damn thing to help them in the second half outside of the touchdown. So they needed to be like, if you want to help the offense, excuse me, the defense and, you know, limit what the Falcons are doing. I mean, obviously Washington has to stop them, get them off the field. I think some of the, some of the field time of possession was due to the fact that two, two uh, punt return by Jamison Crowder, huge game. Good. By the way, I didn't mention him in, after the game, but I wanted to give him a shout out now because that that guy's deserved it. And you know, I think 
what you see is like, you can't let this guy leave now. Right. I mean, they're not, when Dax Miller is healthy, there's obviously no, you're not going to do that because this guy is a good returner. But if you, if, if the staff is back next year, do what you can to bring a guy like that back, even if it's just to compete for a job, but at least, you know, you have a guy that can do something like he did the other day, really good vision, uh, and, and just a good, quick, good, quick decision-making by on his part anyway, but he set him up with the short field fuller sets him up with the short field. So that kind of adds to the, um, time imbalance. So did the defense not doing it, but the offense just couldn't do anything in the second half against that defense, which is really good. It's a really good defense. And that was a concern of mine for them coming into the game. Um, I did pick them as a one point win, but like when you're doing that, by the way, I had the Falcons only scoring 16, boom, boom. But you know, that's, but I really, really like that defense a lot. I think they're doing a good job building something in Atlanta. They just need a quarterback and they'll be really good. Let's go to the D line now and just looking at the Cinco package and why it helped. Well, first of all, it simplifies the gap assignments. And so it allows them, it allows the line to play a little bit faster. It allows the linebackers to be more decisive where they're going because they know where they've got to get to and the D line knows where it's got to get to. And so you consistently saw the gaps filled. Now, you can't use this single package every week. They use it a lot on Sunday. But you can, sometimes it's just very game specific scheme or, you know, very game specific. So, for example, they play the Giants this week. Last year in the second game against the Giants, they used a five D line package a combined ten, or 10 times. So, there, you know, this game, it was a lot more than that. Against the Falcons, the commanders used a five defensive line front 27 times. The Falcons gained 74 yards against that look so clearly very effective and so let's go over a little bit as to why it was so effective and we'll start with um you know it just it allowed them again to be more gap sound uh and there are a lot of examples where they're getting one-on-one blocking and the good thing with this group they're really talented so when you get that one-on-one blocking somebody's going to win most likely play side and there's sometimes there's backside coming guys coming down where they're able to win their uh, win their gap, but it was allowing like Cody Barton had his best game against the run, and you know and he's, so he's actually progressed in that area. But it was his best game against the run because I think he could just be more decisive. He's not having to play off a guy, which sometimes in when they're in their regular base based or when they're regular defense, he's having to play off a guy sometimes, and he starts thinking thinking too much. And then if you think, okay, I need to be here. And then this guy, the guy in front of you does something you don't expect. Now you have to be here. Can you get there in time? And a lot of times it's been no. So in this game, though, I felt like he was getting to where he needed to be. But he and Jamin Davis, I thought, were really good. Kalik Hudson, really good when they use their 4-3. And I'll get to that in a few minutes. So um, there was uh, an example early in the game on a tackle for no yard for zero yard gain. I'm looking at my notes here just so I may get it right. Uh, and this, this is one, this is Deron Payne, but this is what happens when you get a one-on-one and it shows the talent. So watch, if you're watching on YouTube, I'm going to give you some clips of this, but just visualize. So if you're not, if you're not watching, just visualize this. So at the line, he just basically takes the, the, the right guard and tosses him by pads, basically to the ground. Well, the fullback is coming around through the hole to, you know, he's coming there to hit Deron Payne. Payne basically, it's almost like it's like a dad walking through the door and you're 
eight-year-olds are bouncing off you. Just takes on the fullback, right arm, you know, right arm chucks him off, and the fullback gets knocked off, and then the dude makes the tackle. So it was an impressive, impressive play. And I think that's one where, like, like I said, it it's um oh man, it was just really impressive. So, and that happened that was happened a few times where you see those one-on-one individual efforts that really paid off for them. But that's one where you, when you get that one-on-one blocking, this is what happens. And again, you can't use it every game, but man, it was effective in this one because you knew, you knew that they the Atlanta was going to run a lot of, use a lot of heavy run packages, two tight ends. They were at times using an offensive lineman to line up as a tight end uh, in a tight end position, even in the, even like on the move, right. Or using a fullback. So that allowed them to use this but it was absolutely the right strategy. Again, make Desmond Ritter beat you. And guess what? He could not. So late in the game, there was another time. And this is another guy. Like, it wasn't just the starters. It was James Smith-Williams. Casey Tuhill had a really good game. And it's funny because now people are like, oh, I didn't know he was such a good athlete. That's what he's been. I mean, he's been a good athlete. There are just some times where you didn't see it. Maybe you didn't see it as much. Maybe you just discounted it. But I, And I've talked about it in here. The reason they have liked him is because they feel he's a good athlete. And they feel like in that five, that Cinco package, where at times it's just basically it's a three-four defense. So at times those ends have to drop into coverage unless you're going to always rush five. So there were times where in the past where he would drop into coverage and play that. And then there are also times where um, you know Chase Young might drop into coverage and people, are, why do you do that? Listen, most a lot of these defensive ends will drop into coverage. You know, I mean, you see that, and with most teams are going to do that some sort of package because if you have those guys and you want to do an overload. Somebody's got to drop. Sometimes it's the defensive end. That's why you do it. It's an overload. It's designed to create chaos on the other side, but you do that and then you, you know, you drop the end. So, anyways, two hill can do that. But he also showed he had good change of direction against some of those boot actions, etc. But John Ridgeway also a big thing. And I asked Ron Rivera about this on Monday about what he really likes about that single package. And I know again. The gap assignment stuff is a big deal. and But the other thing is you need a big dude in the middle who can play, and that's John Ridgway. So he played quite a few snaps. I don't have his, I don't have his exact total. It was around 30 defensive snaps, and that's a lot for him. But because, again, you're in that Cinco package so much, and then he was at tackle a few times too. Late in the game, there's one time where, again, I'm putting up a clip here of this because I think it's, really impressive for what he did um, and just the way he controlled the center and just drove the center to his right. And eventually you see the center start falling back because of Ridgeway just controlling him, condenses the hole for the back. You have Chase Young setting a really good edge. And then the two of them basically converge. I think it was on Robinson on that one, but it's, it just, it illustrates again, how they had no very few, very little room to run. When you have the end, you, you have the end in Chase Young forcing the back into the hole, and then you have Ridgeway coming over from the other, from the middle and just condensing that hole. And there's other guys around there too, but those two really made it. When you get that, it's really hard to to beat you. So again, you know, just a really really good game. But but look at that play by Ridgeway and. But, but even if you can't see it, trust me on this. He really showed a lot of strength. And that I think he's had, I think he's done a nice job for them, but he's a big dude who can play the middle, and that's what they needed from him. And and he and he's providing it. And it's funny because you know, he had the 
some shoulder issues in the office. He had the, it was a torn uh, bicep surgery, but he also had an issue with the shoulder. And, and so what he's doing is, I don't even know that he's a hundred percent with that. I don't know. And I would assume at this point in the year, first of all, nobody is. So, you know, I'm sure it's bothering him at least a little bit, but you don't see it because he's showing a lot of strength and he's doing a good job controlling guys in the middle, gives them an edge. So, you know, that's, that's been a good thing for them. And it was a good thing for them in this game. Then, then you look at the ability to set the edge. That was huge. Because one of the things that I talked about this on the keys and predictions on Friday or Saturday, whenever it came out, one of the things is how to stop the run is, and is to get the ends, get up field fast. And you saw that you saw the ends getting up field fast because they didn't. So if you're going to, if you're going to, if he's going to bounce, if he's going to bounce around the end still, then you lengthen it and you were able to string it out or you're forcing them back inside, which is more often than not what happened. And that's where all the help was because that's where these guys were winning their one-on-ones. And you saw that a lot. You could see it on, you saw like, I mean, there's examples of, 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 again, Chase Young doing it. Casey Tuhill did it. You know, James Smith Williams did it. They they were all doing it. And this is where you go back to that mantra, do your job. Folks, they were doing it against the run, especially. So that was, you know, I'm sure that was very good for them to see. Um, and there was, you know, there's one time where you see, oh, you see when, one time when James Smith Williams is, is doing it, that there's, there's, he's forcing, can't remember, I don't remember the back, but they're forcing the back there. And you see Cody Barton standing right in the home. There's seven blockers for the Falcons, eight defenders up there. They can't block them all. Barton is free to the ball. James Williams turns him inside, makes the stop. Very small. I think it was a no, no yards or one yard game, something like that. Bottom line though, it was a good play, but it was all off of that. So, but it starts with set. It started with setting the edge. You felt, you could feel that success in the four, three as well. And this is where Khalid Hudson came into play. I like Khalid Hudson. I'm, and I've, I, I've, you know, he plays fast. I love what he did against Dallas. I know that, you know, you wonder why is it? Well, you look at what those other two do. I think you know, Jamin Davis isn't going to come off the field for, for him. And Cody Barton fills a different role than I think Hudson would play. But Hudson has a role. When you do that 4-3, you can put him outside. He, he has that speed. You know, in coverage, I've always kind of felt he's kind of been up and down. And is that sometimes is that play, experience, whatever it is, it's just something that I feel like that he's probably had to work on a little in certain situations, not all coverages, but, and I know others have problems too. So don't, I know, I understand that. I'm just, you know, I don't want to get into all that. He did a nice job on Sunday. I think he can help you against the run when you play those kind of packages. Why not play four, three more? Because most teams don't run what Atlanta does. So you're not able to stay in your base because they're allowing you to stay in their base with only two receivers out there. You go to three receiver set, you can't use three linebackers because you'll get picked apart in the pass game. But when you're going to, when you're using a lot of two receiver sets as Atlanta did, then you can stay in a four, three or that three, their 52 look, whatever you want to do. And, and that's what they did. So there were a couple plays with, um, with, with Hudson where he was just like one of the first plays he made. I mean, first of all, he makes a big stop at the goal line. We made a couple, I think there were like of his nine plays. I, I would say at least three of them were like really good plays and just in really good position. And there was one time where he's coming from the backside and I don't know that they knew how quick he was. And, but it's also like his, he has good instincts and he knows where to be. And on this one, just coming backside unblocked, but you, but you know, he makes a tackle. He's got good speed 
And I think that's what he does well, for that's what he can add in that particular package. There, um, you know, there was one time where he gets loses the guy on, I think it was Robinson on a on a wheel route, just cr- runs into his teammate. I think that's one where is that one where if you're playing more, you have, you know, you have more awareness of where your guys are because you saw the other linebackers were able to avoid those guys in a similar type situation that you could see them avoid it. But in this case, he just runs in, I think it was St. Juice. And if you go, I saw one time, I think it was Barton cuts underneath and takes the angle up, takes the route away. If, if, if Hudson could take it over again, he probably takes that route away because now you, Hey, you got to make sure you pay attention to this. Right. So I'm going to give him, I don't want to say give him a pass, no pun intended, but give but just like, you know, he hasn't been playing a lot. So sometimes you, you're going to, you're going to have those issues. Right. But I, I think he's a smart enough guy um, to understand that despite him going to Michigan, he's a smart enough guy <laughs> um, to, to understand how to adjust. So I give him that, like, that's when you're not playing, like, how does it mess with you a little bit? Anyway, but that was one of the big pass plays that they had was was that particular one. But he did a nice job against the run, and I think it was really effective. And you saw that in 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 you know in his in his play. So I just felt like they really simplified. They didn't simplify the scheme, but they simplified the assignments when you do that. And I think it just allows you to play fashion. Again, you cannot do this every game because you know can you do it against the Giants? Clearly, they want to run Saquon Barkley. But if you're using a lot of three receiver sets, it makes it a little bit harder to do that unless you're going to go with a you know five one five alignment. So one linebacker and then um, five defensive backs it makes it a little bit tougher because I think you're going to want to get those guys both in the game because you don't want you know I think that that's going to be how you want to do it because you want if Barkley's going to go off a pass and the run and a linebackers cover him, you want Jamin Davis on him, not Cody Barton. Barton is the one who calls the signals, has a green dot. So there you go. Um, but I think you can use it at times and it can be effective because of what it does. And, you know, the other thing what you hope if you're Washington is that what this game does say, when you do this, this is the result. And they, you know, they should feel really good about that aspect. Um, you know, shoot, <laughs> by the way, I forgot there was another time too. And I don't, I don't have an example of this, but just trust me on this one. There's one time where the play's flowing to the left and Jamin Davis is like getting blocked, but Deron Payne comes over and just drills into Jamin Davis. Basically, it's like a hockey assist. He put he blocks into Jamin's back, and he almost like it's almost like he pops him back into place, and Jamin just wraps him up for a tackle for like a two yard game. It looks like he might get a little bit run over, but because it's almost like the the opposite of the of the brotherly shove, right, or the tush push, that it was in reverse where it actually. Jay Duran Payne just makes a really good play and knocks, you know, gets Jamin Davis back upright. I and mean, he wasn't falling, but he was kind of stumbled a little bit, but he gets him righted and then he makes the play. And it's funny because again, Duran Payne doesn't get credit for the tackle, but he certainly gets an assist from me on that one. Clearly some coverage issues because that was a big part of this game too. And that's the part that obviously concerns everybody moving forward because it's been there all season. You know, and it's it's really, it's it's got to be frustrating for them because a lot of times you see them like, well, this isn't a talent thing. This isn't, this isn't a guy just, oh, this guy's getting beat every time he's out there. It's not about that. And that's got to be the frustrating thing. But, you know, at a certain point, it's, 
I just can't just always blame the players. You know, you something has to get through. And it, sometimes it's it could be, again, it could be a technique. It could be just how you play something and are you learning from it? And yes, you know, you said like, okay, if they face a better quarterback, well, you know, yeah, I think we can, you know, you can say that a lot about a lot of games they have in the next couple of weeks, you have, um, you have Jalen Hurts in two weeks. This week is either Tyrod Taylor or Daniel Jones. And then three weeks, it's Mac Jones. So you're not, you're not going to face these great, great guys, but as we've seen with Daniel Jones, we know what he does against this team. So, you know, you have to be careful. You've got to clean that up. It's a little mistakes. And this is where Ron Rivera, Ron Rivera has been harping on. You know, it's funny because I, you know, even after a game like Sunday, like, yeah, it's a good, like I said, it's a, any win in the NFL is a good one. You win on the road, that's a good win. But he also was harping on the details. Like you could see him still be a little bit upset with the details have to improve. And he reiterated that again on Monday. And you see that in the coverage. So, you know, there were a couple of times where, like a couple of times with like Percy Butler, now, he is a young guy. I get it. And that's part of that youth stuff. And so is he, you know, he, you have things to learn. And sometimes it's, there was one play on the one where it was a throwback play. He looks like he's a little bit confused where he needs to be. Kind of starts here, goes here, ends up over there a little bit late. Fortunately for him, it was a drop pass or a bad pass. Whatever it was, it was incomplete. Now the Falcons still scored in that drive. So that play, even if they had hit it, they end up still scoring anyways. But you know, there was some confusion on his part. Then another time there was um, a, a, the deep, missed deep ball. On the missed deep ball, one of the things is, first of all, the safeties were a little bit shallow, about 11 yards, which is not bad in the cover in the too deep. Maybe you want to get a little bit. Now, let me tell you this. If you if you think there's going to be a pass, you're going to be another yard or so deeper. Not, not a whole lot, but point is, like, I think they were anticipating a run. So he's a little bit, there's a little bit shallow, but he's in good shape on his backpedal. I think the mistake he makes here on the deep ball is not turn, not opening up and running with the receiver until it was a little bit, until the receiver was a little bit too tight with him. So he wasn't able to stay with him to prevent maybe what could have been a really big play or maybe be in position to make a play himself. Now, I will say late, I think it was later in the game, different sort of coverage but you saw him turn and run a little bit run sooner and took that deep area away. It was not, there was not thrown down there, but he took it away because he did that. So that's always a good thing to see when a guy in a, in, in again, not the exact same situation, but he then learns on the next time where he's got to be in a situation where you got to turn and go. And he did that, but it, it almost hurt him here. So again, he can do it. You see him do it, but you've got to do it because if you don't, Yes, I agree with you. That will hurt you in another game if you're not careful. And I think that's something you have to do. On the fourth and four play, um, and, and that if you remember like in the fourth quarter, fourth down and four, and it was, um, I think it was to number 18, Hollins, um, catches the like, it was like six, seven yard pass. Well, on that play, it's, I don't know who exactly is at fault. Okay, so I don't, it's hard to say. But what I know is, Cody Barton's blitzing on one side. Jamin Davis doesn't hesitate is, and is basically the, the pressure forces Ritter to get to his right. So Jamin's rushing that way and everybody's in a cover zero. Cam Curl has that area and he's, you know, there's some gra a good amount of grass between he and 18 and that's where the ball goes. So it's an easy completion. Again, I don't, I don't, was Jamin supposed to drop? Well, again, based on the way things look, 
I don't, I can't say for sure exactly what happened, but what I do know is everybody else is in ma'am. And I do know that the secondary coach, Brent Visselmeyer at the end of the play, just kind of had it dropped. He's like raised his hand, just dropped his hands. It's like, ah, you know, what are you doing? So if that's the case, then, then, then you would think that it would have been cam needs to be up on that one. But again, I can't say for sure what I do know, regardless, it doesn't even matter who's at fault. What, what the, the problem is that if somebody didn't execute their assignment and that's, and if you do, if you get that pressure and, and if he's supposed to drop, you know, I know there have been, there were a couple of times where, where Jamie was served in a spiral. If he's supposed to do that, well, then you got to stay back a little bit. But when you start to run, that's, he's going to mirror the quarterback, but he, he just kind of came up right away. But if it's, if you know, the pressure has got to come, then if you're the safety, you've got to be coming up you've got to narrow that gap and be ready to drive sooner. And there was just too much gap between he and the receiver. So whatever the reason was, you know, and again, I don't know for sure. And so I know Cam is a very smart player, but sometimes, sometimes guys just get it wrong, but that's the stuff that can't happen when you're, if that fourth and four, maybe that ends up killing them because, you know, if they score in there or whatever, you know, or in, a, in another game, I mean, like you don't, you know, it could have cost you another game if you're not executing your assignment with whoever it was. Doesn't matter because if one guy, one of those, somebody messed up. So if one guy messes up, that's all it can take. And that can cost you a game and it can cost you maybe a playoff spot down the road. So you need to get that stuff sorted up. That's what Rivera is talking about when he's talking about the details of a situation. Then it's funny because like Benjamin St. Juice, he gave up a few plays on Sunday. He makes a big one. And again, when you talk about Desmond Ritter, he was under duress on that play. So give give the front and the pressure credit. Yes, you can pick apart Ritter and say he stinks, but the pressure also forced him into making a bad throw and and maybe a little bit hurried. He was thrown off his back foot. Not just not a not a good look for him, but it it played out well. But there was another time where he drops in a really good throw to um Drake London down the right side. And you know, I think um, that was the one where there was an offsides penalty and whether or not, and you know, I think there was maybe some question about whether or not he caught the ball. I don't know. I never saw the replay on it. What I do know is that St. Juice was in really good coverage. I also know there was one point where he slightly hesitates. And was that enough to get him? Was that enough to allow London to win? I don't know because he was in good position still. And London makes a really good catch. And by the way, Drake London's pretty good. And I, there were a lot of times with the, with the Falcons where I like how Arthur Smith designed some of these plays and puts it, you know, you have Kyle Pitts and Drake London, there's going to be a lot of eyes on Pitts. So you could, they took advantage a couple of times of guys just focusing a little bit more on Pitts and hitting London in an open spot because a lane was created because there's a little bit more attention paid over here. And the other thing with London, this is what I know. If he had been there at 11 in 2022, they're not trading out of that pick. Drake London's here if he had last. Now, he was a number of teams told me he's not going to last to 11. He didn't. But had he, this is how much they liked him. That would have been the guy they would have drafted 11. They're not going to trade him. They're going to take him. Um, so, you know, that that was something else. And also, on it's funny because even, you know, um, St. Juice gave up a touchdown to, to, to Pitts. That's where his versatility can match up against a guy like that. It wasn't like he was beaten horribly. It looked like he stumbled a little bit at the top of his route. And I don't know if he got his feet caught a little bit with either Pitts or Danny Johnson who was dropping back. Don't know. But it was a, you know, you, Pitts is really good. And I think 
you know, there, that's not a, that was not a, the other guy was just better on that. Right. So, um, and, but I do think like in a lot of these cases there are things that they can shore up. The question is, will they, because if we know what it was going to happen, if they don't, they can't continue, they can't continue to keep playing this kind of coverage and then expect to win and to contend for a playoff spot because it's just going to make it too hard. So they've got to start eliminating that. And it really starts with de- this is well, again, Rivera said details. When do you turn and go? When do you do this? You know, are you, what, what's the assignment? Execute the assignment, you know, listen to the, listen to the huddle to hear the assignment to then execute it. So all those are little details and those plays add up, man. You get a couple of those. That's a difference in this league. It really is. You know, even it's funny because even in a blowout game, you can go back in a lot of blowout games and say, like, here are three or four plays early in this game that swung it this way. And then it just gets out of hand. You make those three or four plays early or throughout the game, and it could be just different. And, and you know, because that's the, how small the difference is in, in a lot of these games. So when you're not executing the details, which they haven't been, I mean, I went over some of the stuff, the big plays allowed after the Bears game and just how many of them were just based off of sloppy technique, you know, um, just usually it was technique. It was where you're, where are your eyes? Why are you shaded this way? Why are you looking this way? Things like that have got to stop because if they don't, then, then it's just going to be an inconsistent up down to the finish line. So if they, you know, and if they want better, then they've got to execute better in that area. And there were some times where that play action pass, I thought the Falcons with that play action pass did a good job because it caused hesitation. And you saw that sometimes with Barton, sometimes with others, sometimes it would prevent them from getting the necessary depth on a route. Sometimes you might see Barton might lose sight of where he needs to be. And you're kind of, you turn your back to the quarterback, you scramble and now you're out of position. That happens too. And that's something that they've got to work on. Cause again, that stuff, that stuff all adds up um, at the goal line. They lost sight of the tight end, John Smith. You know, somebody's got to, someone's got to be outside and you just, you know, that's again, blown assignment. That's, it's not, it wasn't talent. It was just a blown assignment. Um, you know, then, then it's funny. Cause there's other times like I, I brought brought up Cam Curl earlier. He had one time where he defends, I think it was, it was um, Drake London. Excellent leverage, excellent leverage has plays inside leverage. And then London tries to come across this one where, where Cam knocks it away just a really good job in coverage against a good receiver. That's where some of this versatility of the defensive backfield comes in if they could have executed better because you had St. Juice able to cover Kyle Pitts at times, or at least they put him on, so they would kind of mix and match a little bit. And then you had, and this is one of the last ones I'm going to talk about, but Danny Johnson and what he's done, um, you know, playing for, for, for Emmanuel Forbes, and I don't know when Forbes is going to go back in. I had a strong, strong sense that Danny Johnson was going to play based on things you heard earlier in the week and based on how they were thinking about Forbes. He's got to play better. We'll get, you know, there's more for that later. But what Danny Johnson does is he, you know, not a perfect corner, but I'll tell you what, man, I'm going to put this play up now. There's, if you're watching on YouTube, if not, again, one time he's got inside the play where he knocks the ball away on fourth down. Just a beautiful job of executing. And just a veteran guy who knows how to execute, and that's what he did. Not the biggest guy, you know, and that's where you know it's going. That's always going to hurt him, as a, you know, in that situation. But he's playing against a bigger guy. But he has inside leverage. He's very patient. He maintains inside leverage. So when when Pitts comes in front of him, when he tries to cut across, 
He's on his inside hip, knocks the ball away. There you go. That's how it's done. So that was a good thing for them to see and for him to see. And it's funny because after the game, he's sitting there talking next to, he's being interviewed next to Emmanuel Forbes. Forbes was seemed to be, he did, certainly was not pouting, was not hanging his head, engaging with his teammates, which is a good sign. Then you have Daniel, Danny Johnson sitting there talking about, hey, Emmanuel's going to be back out there. You know, he's going to learn, he's going to do this. Being a very supportive teammate, after you get a big chance to go show what you can do and you make a couple plays because of it. So just, I think that says a lot about him. And, and, and so there you go. Um, oh, by the way, last thing I'll say, there was one time, did you know, on the last drive, there was one time where there were 10 men on the field, F.A. Obata comes running on late. And it was actually, I think it was like, it was an 18 yard gain on the, to the left side. They, I'm looking at the rush. I'm like, why are they only rushing two guys? And you start, then you see 97 run on the field late. I don't know if he was supposed to be out there, but he's the one running onto the field after the, as the ball is being snapped, he's running onto the field. And, um, you know, so there's an 18 yard gain. The other side did not cost him. Um, but you know, in the end, because, but again, you somewhat, that's a detail of the job, whether who, regardless of, of who's at fault. So defense did a really good job in some areas the other day. And still shows that they have, they still show that they have some areas they have to get fixed and be much more consistent at if they want to progress and build off this game. You have a chance to gain momentum in New York and, you know, for the defense and then see what they do against Philly. So, anyway, that's it for me. I went a little bit longer. I apologize. I hope you get something out of this. I enjoy doing it. As always, the disclaimer I can't use video. So, if you ask me about it, that's the answer. Not allowed to but I try to provide as much insight as I can based on what I'm watching, based on people I talk to, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So again, Tuesday night, 7.30 Eastern time with Bram Weinstein, the voice of the commanders. So I'll talk to you next time.